the book of Deuteronomy, the entire book, is Moses reviewing the last 40 years right before he dies. So we get the whole story again from Passover all the way through. And Moses is talking here about, you remember 40 years ago when we sent those 12 spies into the land? Ten were bad and two were good. Anybody know that song? I grew up singing that song in Sunday school. Okay, so Joshua and Caleb come back with a good report. Yeah, we can take this land. It's great. It's good. And, and all the others are like, no, no, there's giants in the land. We can't do that. It's, it's scary. Okay, Moses is reviewing that story here in Deuteronomy 9. When the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea saying, go up and possess the land, which I have given you, past tense, Then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and you did not believe him nor obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day I knew you. (laughs) I love Moses gets so frustrated with the people sometimes. (laughs) But he says, again, 40 years ago, the Lord said, I have given you this land, but you were too afraid. You didn't go in and take it. And so here we are. So even Moses and Aaron disobeyed in that time. Every single person except Joshua and Caleb who came out in the Exodus over a certain age, I forget now what it was, that seems like maybe 17, but all of the adults died in the wilderness. And God says, if you're not going to go into the land, then you're going to wander around this mountain for 40 years and your kids can go in and take the land. And only Joshua and Caleb survived that 40 years. And then Moses dies and Joshua takes over and we come to Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. So now this is Joshua getting ready to actually enter the land and take possession of the promised land. And God says, everywhere you will go, I already have given you. God understands it's future tense for Joshua, but for him it's past tense. It's already done. I've talked to, I talked to this about to Abraham 600 years ago. I talked to this, about this to Moses 40 years ago. I, this has always been my plan. I told Isaac. I told Jacob. It's always been my plan. It's a done deal. I just needed somebody who's brave enough to go in and do it. Every place that your sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Everywhere you go, I've already been and I've already put your name there. So then we get to Joshua 6, which is the first city they conquer, uh, they attack, the city of Jericho. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, the mighty men of valor. There's a stone wall and a mighty king and a huge army. And God says, don't worry, it's already done. Come on, it's already done. You shall march around the city, all your men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days, but the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast on the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up to every man straight before him. Here's God again. He's giving them instructions on what they need to do to take what God has already given them. It's already done deal, but you still have a battle to fight. Hello? Yeah, so we've been talking about faith for a long time now, and you've heard me use this phrase over and over again, live like it's true before it happens. The, the people who came out of Egypt and died in the wilderness refused to believe that God had already decided the battle before they fought it. But their children, under Joshua's leadership, were brave enough to go into the land, even though there was some mighty nasty enemies there. They believed that God 
had given them the land. We've talked about God changing Abram's name to Abraham, how decades before he has any children, God makes changes his name. You're the father of many children. Jesus meets Simon, which means a reed blown about in the wind. He says the first thing Jesus says to Simon is, I changed your name to Peter, which means rock. And we all know Peter is not a rock. He is emotional and blown about by every event. But over three years, Jesus makes him into the rock. And on the night of Jesus' crucifixion, he, he was cowered in front of a teenage girl. But 50 days later, he stands up in front of the whole crowd, the same crowd that had shouted, crucify Jesus. And Peter stands up and says, you killed the son of God, you better repent. He became the rock that Jesus called him before he was the rock. Live like it's true before it happens. I told you the story about how Moses at the Red Sea had to hold his rod out over the water while all night long the sea parted from the other direction, coming toward Moses. He couldn't see or hear anything. He just had to stand there in faith. God told me to hold my rod out, and it would part. And it was parting, but it was coming from the other side. And he didn't see it, but he did it. I told you about how the priests, when Joshua and the Israelites crossed the Jer- Jordan River and toward Jericho, it's at the, f- the river's at the flood stage, and God did not hold the water back. He said to the priests, step into the flood. And when they stepped into the flood, then God held the water back. They had to take action first. I told you this before. Faith is action. Trust is not wrong, but trust is only passive. Faith is active. Faith takes action, lives like what God said is true. So live like God's word is true, and his promises are true even before you see them come to pass. What does that look like? Well, it means you commit to the mission trip before you know how it's going to be paid for. It means that you commit to the ministry before you know how to do it. It means that you break up with the ungodly boyfriend or girlfriend because you know you have to obey God. I have to do this. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I have to do it. It means that you might have to leave family or offend family to obey God. It means you have to tithe first, and then you'll see God's provision. Faith is taking action that God's word is true before you see it happen, and then you will see it happen. Hello? Faith is you forgive before you see how God is going to bring your justice. You forgive first. Then God will bring restoration. That's faith. It means you release your unfulfilled expectation. You trust that God will bring what you need later. Faith is you let down your wall. You open your door of trust before you know how God will turn it out. It means that you give the other person what they need before you get what you need. That's faith. That's taking action. God says, I have given you the land. It's not just a promise for the future. It's already done. I've already signed the deed. But you have to possess it in faith. How many of God's promises have gone gone unfulfilled in countless lives because of fear or passivity or trust instead of faith? Well, this terrible thing just must be God's will. Hello? God says, I've given it to you, but then there was 20, 30, 40 years of battle to fight to get it. They had to act in faith. They had to do some scary stuff, knowing that God had said he would meet them in the battle. But we stand around, it sure would be nice if God would fix this. It would be nice if God would take care of me and give me that thing that I need. 
It would be nice if God would come through. It would be nice if revival would happen. No, men died fighting to possess what God had promised. Ken's the only yes because he was here first service. (laughs) No, I said men died fighting to get what God said what they'd already given. It's a fight. We have to take action. We have to march forward. Live like God's word is true. Take action to make it true before it happens. Mostly I want to focus on Caleb this morning, Joshua's best friend. Let's look at this from Joshua 14. This is five years after Jericho, 20 or 30 years that Joshua leads Israel in the conquest of the promised land. This is five years into it. Caleb comes to Joshua. They were the only two that survived, the only two to come out through the Red Sea who made it into the promised land because they were faithful to God. Caleb goes to his friend Joshua, and they're both old men, and he says this, The children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him that as was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty-five years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, eighty-five years old, and yet I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Caleb, 85 years old, goes to Joshua, and he says, You remember 40 years ago? When we went into the promised land as spies and everybody else chickened out, you and I came back with a good report. And Moses told me on that day that I would live in this land. And that has sustained me for 45 years. Everybody say 45 years. Older folks, you want to know how to stay young and not let your heart get old and crusty as you meditate on the promises of God. It is the promises of God that will keep your heart soft and young and fresh. You're not going to get old and crotchety and grouchy and full of doubt and hardness and offense and unbelief. You're going to stay young and fresh and strong when you meditate on what God told you when you were younger. For 45 years, as we ain't talking about next week, 45 years, Caleb had faith from the very beginning, but the people he was with were not ready. So he stuck with them and he wandered around in the wilderness that he did not need to wander around in, but, but his family did. So he stayed, but he didn't grow old. At 85, he is still 40 in his body and in his heart. He says, I'm ready. Give me my mountain. I'm ready. Moses told me 45 years ago, he promised I would live in the promised land. I'm ready. Give me my mountain. Come on. Yeah. And so the Anakim lived there. 
Let's go talk, talk about this. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. The Anakim, it's way too much scripture and history to go into, but the Anakim and the Rephaim are giants. They come from the Nephilim back in Genesis. And uh, we're not told who Arba is, but Arba is... We know that he has a son and three grandsons, and they're giants, and they live in the city on top of the mountain that Caleb wants. Hebron today is in uh, Palestinian territory, but Hebron historically is the second holiest site in Judaism. It is where Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and Leah are buried. And you can go and visit those tombs. The scripture says that's where they're buried. And then historically people have decided, I don't know whether it's true or not, but you know, this is where it is. Or the, but they're buried in Hebron and it's a holy city. This is 500, 600 years ago, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all lived there and were buried there. And now it's been taken over by giants. And Caleb says, I'll take that hill. <laughs> now, the Anakim, we don't know a whole lot about them. We are going to talk about them. In a few months, uh, there's a sermon coming you will not want to miss. We're going to talk about giants in depth, but th- w- what we do know is that um, Og, the king of Bashan, is one of them, and back in um, Exodus or Numbers, Moses has to fight him. His bed is 13 feet long, so he's 12 foot something. So even if we don't know that Hebron is the home of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and even if we don't know that the land is good, it's a really rich soil, it's great water as far as that desert climate is set up. There's, the Bible says there's upper and lower springs in Hebron, and there's pools there still today. But we know that it's the best place in the promised land. Because if me and my son and my grandsons are 12 foot something, and we can bench press 900 pounds and we carry 14 foot spears, we can live wherever we darn well please. <laughs> so we are going to pick the best land for farming, for water, for de- military defense. We are going to pick the very best place and we're going to march there and tell everybody else you need to shoe along, this is our house now. So we can know that Hebron is the very best place in a land that flows with milk and honey This is the most milky and most honey. (laughs) Because this is where the giants are. And Caleb says, I'll take it. I want to live there. That's a good looking hilltop. That's some really rich farmland. There's some great water there. I'll live there. Joshua might have said, uh, you notice who lived there? Did you notice you're 85? I can do it. (laughs) I can do it. So he goes and attacks. Let's go to Joshua 15. Now Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Israel according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kirjath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Arnak. And Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir. Formerly the name of Debir was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, he who attacks Kirjath-sephir and takes it, to him I will give Aksah my daughter as wife. So Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the 
brother of Caleb, took it and gave him Aksaw, his daughter, as wife. Othniel's another story altogether. Obviously, courage runs in this family because his, uh, Caleb's nephew, Othniel, attacks the next city of giants and wins the, daughter, the hand of the, the daughter of one of the greatest men in Israel. We know that when Joshua dies, Othniel becomes the next judge. Uh, that's in the book of Judges, so he's a stud too. But uh, right now we're just talking about Caleb. Caleb sees the top of this, this hillside that looks good. It's good farmland. It's good water. It's a great city. And there's giants living there. And he says, goes to Joshua and he says, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. I have waited 45 years for this. I ain't letting no giant stop me. I ain't letting age stop me. Come on, older folks. Gray-headed people. It's never too late. Remember what God said 45 years ago. And live it. Come on. Come on. Give me my mountain. Let's go kill some giants. So I want to ask you this morning, what is your mountain? Where is the territory that the Lord has given to you, but you aren't living there yet? What did Jesus pay for at the cross that you are not living in? Peace, freedom, salvation, purity, righteousness, communion with God, healing, all the stuff Jesus paid for at the cross. It's already done. He said at the cross, it's finished. Past tense. It's the land I have given you. I gave it to you at the cross 2,000 years ago. It's your job to march in and face the giants and take it. It's the promised land, but there's big giants living there. We don't want to be like the first generation of Israel that saw the problems and said, oh, we'll live in the desert and barely scrape by. And you know what? God took care of them because he loved them. They lived day to day. God wants you to live in success, in prosperity and peace. So your mountain may be salvation for your children or your grandchildren or somebody else that you love. Your mountain may be freedom from a habitual sin. Your mountain may be restoration in your family or your marriage, a joyful, peaceful marriage. You're not supposed to scrape by with a marriage that's barely surviving. It may be a better job or maybe a business idea that God has for you. You need financial provision. You need physical healing. Whatever your mountain is that Jesus paid for at the cross, that is your promised land, that you are not living there, give me my mountain. I tell you, for 15 years I have lived on that prayer. Not every day, but very often I have prayed that sentence. Lord, give me my mountain. Because I know what one of mine is. There's a couple here at church. Big mountains with huge problems living behind stone walls at the top. And I don't know how I'm going to get through that. There's a couple in my personal life too. Like, God, that's supposed to be my promised land. I'm not living where, where you want me to live. I don't have everything you have said I can have. Notice Caleb goes to Joshua. He doesn't make up what he wants. He tells Joshua, you remember what the Lord promised me. Yes. Hello? This is not you dreaming of a bigger boat or a bigger house. Okay, this is, I'm standing on the word of God that I know, that I know, that I know, that God told me this. The scripture says it. Jesus paid for it at the cross. I know it's mine. I don't have it yet. Give me my mountain. You're going to pray that prayer right now. Right now, where you're at. You're going to pray that prayer. It is one of the better prayers you can pray. But you're not going to sit there on your butt. God, give me my mountain. I want you to do this. 
stand on your chair, or ignore the rest of us, and say, God, give me my mountain! God, give me my mountain! Hey, there you go! Whatever that may be, that is the deepest longing of your heart that you know your life is not complete until you see your grandkids walking with Jesus. Until you see your business succeed or you see that mission happen or this, your freedom from that sin that has bound you forever. Whatever it is, that's your mountain. It's your promised land. Inherit your mountain. God, give me my mountain. Don't pray that just now today. Pray it all the time, every day. But I gotta tell you, If you want that mountain, there's some giants on the top. If you really truly meant what you just said, you're going to have to pick a fight with a giant. Arba was not fighting Caleb. Caleb went to fight him. Arba just lived where he was supposed to live. Caleb had to go pick a fight with a giant. Some of you have a giant squatting in your promised land. It's a giant called cancer, or a giant depression, or a giant anxiety, or a giant anger, or a giant alcohol, or a giant unforgiveness, a giant offense, a giant selfishness, a giant lust, and he is squatting in your promised land, eating what you're supposed to be fed on, living in where he's not allowed to be. God says, I gave you that land that is peace and joy and purity and righteousness and freedom. You're not supposed to be just barely surviving. You're supposed to live in the land of milk and honey. I'm talking about in here. Yeah? So where is your giant? Mostly, your giant is right here. This is the giant you have to pick a fight with. You have to... Start killing your flesh nature, your sinful nature. You have to stare your selfishness in the face and say, you're going to die today. You have to stare lust in the face and say, here is the sword. Stare alcohol or rage. You have to forgive the unforgivable, love the unlovable. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love. I'm going to stay in this relationship that I want out of worse than anything else. I am going to kill this giant, and I'm going to live on my mountain. It's fear, it's laziness, it's greed, it's pride, whatever it is. Your promised land, wherever God has for you to live, is wherever the enemy of God is camped out in your life. Because giants go to the best places. So whatever it is that you think you're supposed to have that's good and godly and righteous and true and scriptural and Jesus that you don't yet have, it's because there's a giant living there because he went to live there because that's a really nice place. You can avoid that giant all you want and grimp by living in the wilderness. Or you can pick a fight with him and kill him and take your promise land. Wherever your biggest taunting enemy lives, that's where you're supposed to live. If your biggest taunting enemy is your temper, 
you're supposed to live in peace. If it's lust, you're supposed to live in purity. If it's alcohol, you're supposed to live in the spirit. If it's financial disaster, you're supposed to live in prosperity. If it's disease after disease and sickness and brokenness, you're supposed to live in health. Whatever that keeps coming against you that is the giant on your mountain, you have to pick a fight with that thing. You can't twiddle your thumbs and say, well, I hope God does something about it. You have to forgive. You have to tithe. You have to exercise some faith. You have to pick up your sword and fight that giant. Anxiety, I am not giving in to you anymore. Lust, I am chopping off your head. Alcohol, you're going. Rage, I'm not giving in to you anymore. Laziness, I'm going to get up and work hard. Greed, I'm going to give till everybody is making fun of me. Kill your giant. And this is what will happen from Joshua 21. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. God promises to give it to us, but you have to take possession and live in it. If you're not going to live there, the giant will move in. And you're not going to get there unless you face your giant. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. Not a word failed. Old folks, that will keep you young. Not a word failed. From 20 years ago, from 40 years ago, you're not getting too old. Not a word will fail. Unless you twiddle your thumbs and stay on the other side of the river and don't move forward. It will not happen. You will wander around in the desert. You march forward with a little faith. Watch God win your battles. You can defeat fear. You can defeat depression. You can defeat alcohol. You can defeat whatever it is. You can be the agent to heal your marriage. Remember, your giant is in you. Your giant is not your spouse. Or whoever else you want to see God kill. Yeah, there's some people I'd like God to giants I'd like to take. No, the giant is in you. The giant is you. Inside you. All right, this is, we'd love to externalize that. You face your giants and watch God win your battles. Not a word failed. All came to pass. All came to pass. All of it came to pass. Lord, Give us our mountain. Forgive us for fear, for passivity, for laziness, Lord. We want to possess what you paid for at the cross. We want to live in all of the righteousness that you have commanded, that you have granted, that you have given. We want to live in everything that you paid for so that you did not die in vain. Lord, we don't want to waste one drop of your blood. Your precious holy blood was paid to ransom us to set us free. So how dare we live in prison? Lord, forgive us for inactivity, for fear, for timidity. Lord, give us your courage, your boldness, your faith to stare down our giants, to run up the hill, to charge the stronghold, to kill the giant that seems too big. It's just too much. We can't overcome this. It's the way it's always been. It's the way I've always thought. It's the way my family's always been. Lord, give us victory over the giants. Amen. 
Give us our mountain. We praise you, Lord, that not a single word you have spoken will fail. You will do it all. You will do it all. Amen.